Welcome to week eight of Broken Branches Ministry STEM Discipleship Program podcast. I am Karen Ayers, your host. Marshall and I are honored and humbled to deliver this innovative way of teaching God's Word and building disciples. STEM Discipleship Program is dedicated to helping you develop that intimate relationship with God where you're able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit of your own. We are busy planning a weekend of celebration for your completion of this 12-week discipleship training program. It's called Konania, a Christian gathering. Please reach out to your facilitator or check out our website at www.brokenbranches.biz for more information. Konania is a Christian gathering. We're going to have an amazing lineup of praise and worship on Friday night and teaching to further your spiritual walk by some dynamic speakers on Saturday. Lunch and dinner will be served as well. And it is our prayer that you will be able to join in a celebration of your completion of this program and meet others from across the country who have taken this journey with you. Kononias are held every June and January after the completion of the program as a way of saying, well done and as a way of taking that next step into digging a little bit deeper into the word of God and learning things about spiritual gifts and and how to fight spiritual battles and what is spiritual warfare. So we're really looking forward to you joining us and participating in that. All right, let's get started. Pull out your STEM discipleship workbook and grab a pen and let's dig into this week's lesson. Last week, we talked about the flesh and its authority over our soul, specifically our will, which is the vehicle for which we decide whether we will yield to fleshly desires or yield to the Holy Spirit. Satan is out to get our souls. And as a refresher, man is a spirit. He's housed in a body and he possesses a soul. Our soul makes up our mind, it makes up our will and our emotions. We will incorporate a discussion of our will as we talk about the other aspects of man because this is the door for which Satan has access or the Holy Spirit can guide. Today we're going to talk about the role your mind plays in yielding either to Satan and the world he controls or to the Holy Spirit. Turn if you will to pages 104 and 105 in your STEM Discipleship Workbook. And let's take a look at the heart of the matter. In the book of Ezekiel, we see all over and over where the Israelites are dishonoring God by how they were living among other nations and frankly, making God look bad. So in order for God's name not to be profaned based on the behavior of the Israelites, In the New Living Translation of Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 23 through 26, God instructed Ezekiel to tell the Israelites this. He says, I will show how holy my great name is. 
the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am Lord. 24. For I will gather you up by all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. In this passage of scriptures, we can tell that God was not referring to a physical heart here but a place within us that requires change in order that our choices and life will look differently. God was saying that he was going to do a transformation of their minds and their hearts, and it would be him in the form of his Holy in the form of his spirit that would be placed in them to help with this spiritual surgery. A heart of flesh is a heart that is pliable. It's able to be moved and teachable. The heart of stone is one that is stubborn and refuses instructions. Flip over to page 106 in your STEM Discipleship Workbook. And let's look at Proverbs 23, verse 7 in the King James Version. It's tucked into a passage of scripture where instruction is provided for dealing with people of authority and being aware of the fact that people may say one thing, but have another driving motive in their heart. I'm sure you've heard the scripture before. It reads, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Our physical hearts have the task of pumping enough blood to deliver a continuous supply of oxygen and other nutrients to the brain and the other vital organs in our bodies to sustain viability. Our physical heart does not have a thinker. Our physical heart does not have the capability to think. When the Bible speaks of the heart, the reference here is to our mind. As a man thinks in his mind about himself, so is he. How a man thinks in his mind about God, so is that relationship. As a man thinks in his mind about his finances, so are they. As a man thinks in his heart about his salvation, so it is. Charles Spurgeon, an influential preacher in the late 1800s, said this of the heart. He said, the heart is more nearly the man than any other of the faculties and powers which God has bestowed upon our nature. So what he's basically saying is that how we think about life, about God, about our family, about society, about love, about trust, about forgiveness, about revenge, as well as about ourselves, becomes a driving force for our lives and depicts who we truly are. It is the heart of the matter. How we think and what our motives are reveals the type of heart posture we have or the mindset we have concerning things. You are where you are today based on your thinking. The scriptures you will be 
reviewing this week are around understanding the heart-mind relationship and their meaning as it relates to scripture. So now that we have set a foundation on this matter, the heart-mind matter, let's take a closer look at our minds and how they affect our daily lives. In therapy, I describe three brains, our thinking brain, our feeling brain, and our behaving brain. Messages are sent from our body to our minds, and it is in our minds that we have thoughts about situations based on our experiences, our histories, our fears, as well as our triumphs. How we think about a matter will be translated to our emotional brain and make us feel some sort of way. These feelings will then process down to our behaving brain and have our bodies respond as a result of the emotion experience. So how we think affects how we feel and how we feel affects how we behave. So let's take a look at a couple of examples from a Christian perspective. So here's the situation. We have a woman, you know, she's doing her monthly breast examination and she feels a lump. Her immediate thought may be, oh no, it's cancer. Man, cancer runs in my family. I'm going to die just like my mother did. The emotion she is feeling as a result of the thought she was having about the cancer is now fear. So this fear now causes her to have the behaviors of worrying, losing sleep, and not being able to focus at work. So the thought ignites feelings and behaviors, whether substantiated by facts or not. When we have gotten all worked up sometimes about things and we don't even have the, fa- have the facts. Have you ever done that? Just all discombobulated and worst case scenario thinking and we don't have the facts. It was the threat, the illusion, or the possibility of the feared situation happening that elicits emotions followed by behaviors. Satan's only weapon is suggestion. He cannot do anything but threaten you in your thoughts. John 10.10 gives us a clear description of the job that Satan has versus the job that Jesus has. In the Amplified Bible, it reads like this. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came, this is Jesus speaking, that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So here we see the job description of Satan and we see the job description of Jesus. In the scenario that we're talking about with the women earlier who became fearful about filling the lump, it shows that Satan was winning in the battle in her mind. Satan, meaning the adversary, who is also referred to as the enemy, the thief, the devil, the evil one, he is winning in this woman's mind. He was successful at stealing her joy and her peace by replacing it with fear, by suggesting that she would die like the others who had cancer in her family. Now let's think, what would happen 
if in this same situation, the woman feels the lump and thinks just because cancer runs in my family, this is not cancer for me. Her feelings now shift from fear to thankfulness and her behavior looks like casting her care on the Lord and getting sound sleep as she waits for confirmation of God's grace in the situation. Perhaps this woman had memorized or meditated on Isaiah 53 and 5, and instead of yielding to the suggestion of the enemy, she yielded to the Holy Spirit, and the words, by his stripes, I am healed, came to her mind, and she stood on this promise. The enemy will not only use our flesh to drive us towards self-gratification and not God-centeredness, but he also uses our minds as a battlefield to have us overthink, worry, and doubt things instead of truly casting those cares on God and keep it moving. Your scripture memory verse this week is Romans 12 and 2. And this is how it reads in the New Living Translation, although you will memorize it in the New International Version. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's dig into it for deeper understanding. The Amplified Version puts it this way. It says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. That kind of breaks it down, doesn't it? So I want you to flip back quickly to page 82 of your STEM discipleship workbook and let's look quickly again to the natural person. The natural person was you and I and everyone else who had not received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We lived according to our flesh and to what made us feel good and according to the dictates of the world. We were concerned with who was in office, whether or not people liked us. We were concerned if we were going to be able to impress people or exalt ourselves by where we lived, what we drove, what we accomplished, the letters we had behind our name, who we wore. We were sold out to the social media influencers who told us what was trending and what we acquired in our lives what we should acquire in our lives to look the best, smell the best, and have the best. The Amplified Version of Romans 12 and 2 called these things the world's superficial values and customs. Then we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and the newness that we receive should now transform and progressively change us as we mature spiritually. This is good news. You know why? Because it is not an automatic transformation. So let yourself off the hook. It is a process. 
then Romans 12 and 2 in the Amplified Bible version tells that renewing our minds occur when we focus on godly values and ethical attitudes. So how then do we discover these godly values, you may ask? We discover godly values from reading the word of God and getting a better understanding of what God wants. Our minds are renewed with the word of God. The purpose of the renewing of our minds, according to Romans 12 and 2, is so that we may prove for ourselves what the will of God is. If you've asked yourself, what is God's will for my life? Continue digging into the word of God eliminating distractions so that that quiet time in your secret place, the Holy Spirit is able to speak to you and you'll be able to hear him. Remember, the Holy Spirit is always speaking and instructing us and bringing things back to our memory. One thing that is so crucial that we must do as Christians is to once and for all understand That when Jesus said it was finished, when he was on the cross, when he was on that cross, remember when he said it was finished, it was finished. And the devil and all his schemes, all his plots and strategies for you and against your life were also defeated. This is why Satan could only suggest things to us. He can't do anything to us because Jesus bore it all on the cross. You just have to believe it. Our sins were reconciled on the cross. To reconcile means to restore relationships. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross restored our relationship with God, whereby no further sacrifice had to be made for our sins. Jesus did it once and for all. Romans 5 and 10 in the Amplified Bible reminds us of this. It says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is so much certain having been reconciled that we will be saved from the consequences of sin by his life. That is, we will be saved because Christ lives today. You know, the enemy will have us thinking that we're not good enough, that there's some actions that we need to keep doing to go to heaven. He have us thinking that it doesn't matter if we live for Christ or not. He'll also have us thinking that there is nothing wrong with living according to the manners of the world. He will strive to steal our confidence in God and in his word He will distort our understanding of the suffering we go through and have us thinking that if we were just good enough, um, we wouldn't have challenges. But all of this is not biblical. We know what is of God and what is not of God by studying his word. When we study his word and meditate on it, It strengthens us and helps us stand and resist the enemy with the help of the Holy Spirit. We must maintain what Jesus obtained on the cross, which is our liberation. But we live in a way that says that we are still bound to sin 
based on how we think. So I know I've driven this point in the ground. Satan wants to get into our into our minds so that he can destroy our lives. God wants to get into our minds so that he can transform our lives. And this is a spiritual battle that goes on in our minds and it can only be won through the word of God. Let's take a look at at some um, scriptures and what the Bible says to help us instruct us about, you know, capturing every thought. And if we look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it's an essential part of Christian living that eludes many of us. But what does it mean to take thoughts captive? Why does that matter? And how do we do that? You know, because every day we're having thousands of thoughts that run through our minds. When thoughts go unexamined, they can do a lot of harm. They can get out of control and cause negative cycles that lead to negative feelings and actions. So how then do we know what thoughts are of God and which thoughts are used by Satan? So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 to through five in the Amplified version for some answers. It says, for though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. Verse four, the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. This scripture first establishes that the battle in our minds is not a battle that can be fought with guns and knives. Well, in that case, back in the Bible days, we're talking about some armor and spears. Verse 4 further tells us that our weapons are divinely powerful and can tear down fortresses. A fortress is a person or a thing not susceptible to outside influence or disturbance. But the weapons we have can tear down supposed insusceptible or protected strongholds. Our weapons are able to fight spiritual battles that take place in our mind. Verse 5 again describes what we're battling and how we should fight. It says we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. So there are some extravagant and sophisticated arguments that are going on in our mind. These arguments may sound like, I can't go for that promotion. I won't get it anyway. God doesn't really want me to have an abundant life. If he did, why am I struggling? may sound something like, I see so many people prospering without God. I don't have to do all this. The enemy is strategic. He's cunning and will use sophisticated methods to make you think lies are truths. 
thoughts like, I don't need God. I've gotten this far by myself. It's an example of words of what verse five was talking about when it referred to proud things that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. How do we know these statements are against what God says in his word? We know it by reading it. The promotion scenario and doubting that you will get it can be placed can be replaced by the word of God in Psalms 37 and 4, which says to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If I'm delighting myself with God and I pray uh, to God that if this promotion is in his will, help me get it. If we are in the will of God, we don't have to have all the skills, all the connections, uh, the networks or the degrees. If it, if it is his will and we yield to it in faith and believe and not doubt it, guess what? It's going to happen. But if we drop our weapons of the word of God and go into battle ill-equipped, the enemy will win by letting doubt paralyze you. The enemy will win by letting you not go for that promotion and having you think that you're not good enough. You are where you are today based on your thoughts. The second thought was, I'm going to struggle for the rest of my life. This thought exalts itself against the knowledge of God in that God says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to pros- plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. If we trust God's word, we stand on it and we speak it back to ourselves when the enemy is trying to replace doubt with trying to replace doubt, well, truth with doubt. We are to take every thought captive. And what this means is we should be thinking about what we're thinking about. We can't capture a thought if we aren't paying attention to it. On page 107 of your STEM Discipleship um, Workshop, I want you to pay attention to what the prevailing negative thoughts are that you experience, that you're having. Then I want you to find a scripture that contradicts the word of God and write it down. Well, what I mean, that contradicts the word of God, but contradicts the thought, that prevailing negative thought. I want you to find a scripture that contradicts that negative thought in the word of God and write it down. Next time you catch yourself having that thought, speak that scripture that you found out loud as a way of fighting that thought. That is how you fight the battle that's going on in your mind. Ephesians 6 verses 11 and 12 in the Amplified Bible again reiterates the fact that the word of God is our armor and that we are in a spiritual battle. It says put on the full armor of God and this is again in the Amplified for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. So this right here tells us who we are fighting against, and it also tells us what is our weapon. The word of God is our weapon, and we are fighting against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The word of God is how we succeed in battle. During week 10, we will get more into spiritual warfare. But for now, just knowing and getting an understanding that once you said yes to Jesus, being your Lord and Savior, the enemy set you as a target with the power of a shadow. Light exposes the shadow. The word of God exposes the threat that the enemy tries to make. That's all he can do is threaten, suggest. But you know, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified reminds us that praying about those things that we worry about will open the door for peace. This peace will then stand guard and protect our hearts and our minds so that we are careful to think the right thoughts and to have them planted as truth. It reads like this. Verse 4, Philippians 4, Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight. Take pleasure in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, your unselfishness, your mercy, your tolerance, and your patience be known to all people. The Lord is near. Verse 6. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving continue to make your specific requests known to God and the peace of God that peace which reassures the heart that peace which transcends all understanding that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours verse 8 finally believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, what is whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. It starts off off in verse 8 by saying whatever is true. If it contradicts the word of God, it is not true. Whatever is right, you know in your spirit if what you're hearing is right or not. Whatever is confirmed by God's word, If it's in its word and it said so, it is so. Whatever is pure and wholesome. So we're having thoughts that are impure 
and thoughts that are of hurting other people, of hurting ourselves or being um, cheating on some type of on our taxes or cheating other people out of things. Those are not wholesome things. So we are to put set our mind on things that are pure and wholesome and lovely because they bring peace. And this peace, as it spoke of earlier, is going to guard our hearts and our minds. So it's going to be like that fortress. Peace will be our fortress when when we're keeping our minds on the things that are lovely and brings peace. Those things. So I also want to encourage you to be careful what you're listening to and what you're allowing into your spirit. What you continuously listen to or watch will eventually become planted in your mind as pieces of truth. Has someone said something negative to you and it bothered you and you find that this person is telling it to you over and over again until you you look up one day and you start believing it as truth? Nowadays, it's called gaslighting and abusive relationship. Someone may have told you that you are not good um, and, you know, you're no good. You're never amount to anything. When you first heard it, you didn't believe it. However, after the repetition of the statement, you slowly begin to think that pieces of that is true. He said, maybe, maybe I won't amount to anything. Maybe they're right. No good will come to me. So pay attention to the cunning ways that the devil has and the way he uses people to do his work. There is a spirit. We're all spirits and we all operate on a spiritual realm and Satan will use the spirit of a person to show you or to deposit those things that are not true in your spirit to have you doubt yourself, doubt who God says you are, and even doubt God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 tells us that to have the mind of Christ is to be guided by his thoughts and his purposes. His thoughts and his purposes are outlined in the teachings that Jesus gave to his disciples in which they initiated and therefore was was spread throughout the world. These are his same thoughts. They haven't changed. Satan and his schemes to get us to think that we are weak and ill-equipped, those things may change to adapt with the times, but the word of God won't. Mark chapter 4 verse 24 proves that what we hear is important and that it says, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. Listen closely to what you are hearing in conversations, in church, in sermons, to what is being said, and then line it up with the truth of the word of God. Remember, God wants you to win. He wants you to win. He wants you to have a hope. He wants you to have a future. But Satan wants to kill your positive concept of yourself. He wants to kill your future and he wants to steal 
your joy and your peace. So pay attention to what you're listening to. And if it is something that is depositing some negative residue in your spirit that has you beginning to think ill of yourself or of God, change it. As a man in his heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. This scripture does not say, as a person thinketh about me, so I am. It says, as a man thinketh about himself, so he is. A lot of times what happens is we will think poorly of ourselves and have negative thoughts about ourselves based on the thoughts and opinions of other people. This leads us to having faulty understanding of who God says we are. My email and voicemail continue to be full because people are looking at their lives through the lenses of how someone else sees them or what someone else did to them. How are you thinking? You don't like your life? Change your thoughts. Change your life. On page 109 of your STEM Discipleship Workbook, I want you to take a moment and ponder these questions. What thoughts do I have about myself that do not line up with who God says I am? What thoughts do you have about yourself that do not line up with who God says you are? What deposits are other people making into your emotional bank that are lies, that are schemes or strategies that the enemy can use to put doubt, defeat, and and deception into your mind? It is my prayer that you are developing a better understanding of who you are in Christ and a better understanding of the amount of control and authority you have as it relates to defeating the devil and his attempts to steal, kill, and destroy areas of your life. Remember, our authority over Satan was obtained with Jesus on the cross. Our job is to maintain the authority through belief in God's word and using it as a weapon against an enemy as it relates to the battle that's going on in our minds. You have already won. The devil is defeated. Now guess what? It's your job to act like it. The the scriptures you'll be studying and meditating on this week are Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and then Proverbs 4, verse 23, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, and then finally Proverbs 3, verse 5. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the strength that's found in it. We thank you for the truth that's in it. We thank you for the wisdom that is in it, Father God. 
Father, we bind up any attack of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. That he is planning any plot, any scheme, any strategy that is planning against us. Using our thought life. Using our minds and how we feel about ourselves and 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 our futures, Lord God. We bind any attack that he will use in our mind, Lord God. He said, what's bound on earth, Lord God, is also bound in heaven. And what is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. That's what your word says, Lord. So we bind the attacks and the schemes of the enemy. And we loose your peace, Father God, that guards our heart. And it's a fortress around us, Lord God. Your peace, that peace that you gave us, Lord God. We stand on that, Father God. And as the suggestions come and as the threats appear and as the shadows come, Father, that the enemy may stand up against us, Lord God. I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, for your word, which is the only weapon that we need. Let us grow in your belief. Let us mature spiritually, Lord God, so that we can have more and more discernment and understanding of who you are, who we are in you, and the authority that you've given us and the power that we have to defeat every attack that the enemy has because Jesus took it on the cross. He already did it. He obtained it on the cross. Lord God, help us to maintain what you've already given us. And to walk in a manifestation of it, Lord God. So we thank you so much. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.